Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. I hope you got everything that was on your list for Santa. We're enjoying our families as well. In a minute, we're going to hear from uh, John Lynch, our interview with him which was i thought was very fascinating and replay uh that and we're going to talk a little bit of tampa bay lightning as well as they're coming off an exciting road trip where now they're on a streak i think 12 games they've had a point uh in in all 12 so that's the longest streak in the nhl but first hey do you want to be a millionaire you know for 30 years howard and sue million have brought the cool comfort of air conditioning to the tampa bay area making thousands of residents millionaires with their Quality products and services. Millionaire is currently offering 0% interest for 72 months on qualifying equipment. Give them a call at 727-862-2100 or take advantage of this great offer on brand new quality train air conditioning products. And uh, you can schedule the service or maintenance. All you have to do is call 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort. Millionaire. Okay, so Steve, I've been so wrapped up in the uh, the Bucks and their comings and goings, and have just kind of been following from afar. They did catch some games on this West Coast road trip with the Tampa Bay Lightning. All they do is win, 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 no matter what, what, what. I mean, this team. Um, I know they had the the one game. I guess they lost in overtime, still picked up a point, uh, but they have managed to uh, to just have a terrific road trip, and now they come home. We're past Christmas. Uh, or at least two Christmas, which is kind of a kind of a mark in the NHL season. There's no question in my mind that this is the best team in hockey this year. Uh, to this point, absolutely. I mean, through 37 games, they've got 58 points. Uh, they're as we as we're taping this and and we're doing this Sunday night, uh, so we could actually have Christmas Eve off and be with our family and and get to bed in time so that uh, Saint Nick stops by. That's there. right. That uh, Toronto is currently uh, tied, uh, so they're going to be at least seven points back, maybe six, depending on how their game goes. They're going to overtime uh, mm-hmm. on Sunday night, but so you know they're at least six points up. But it's the way they're dominating, and and they're never out of games. How many games do they get behind a goal or two? They get behind all the time. They yeah. don't even flinch. No. I mean, they get behind two, three goals. They're averaging over four goals a game, and you're you know almost halfway through the season. That's an yeah. incredible pace. Um, yeah. Nikita Kucherov is absolutely on fire right now. Yes, mm-hmm. and, and not just shooting, but it, it's, every, it's the whole game. I mean, his back checking, his passing, everything. Steven Stamkos is heating up, and you know now Braden Point's kind of cooled off a little bit. But now you're, you know, the, the stars that you expect, Stamkos and Kucherov, are heating up, and that's what you know when when you follow the Lightning every night. And on Twitter, I'll follow a lot of the uh, you know beat writers and stuff for the other teams as you're as you're, you know you're playing playing Edmonton you're following their writers etc yeah and the other the other the media just marvels at it's the third and fourth line that are scoring just as much as the first line against you and there's just no stopping i mean it's relentless the, the they just roll those four lines at you and, and you have no answers right there's so much talent on this team that you know when JT Miller and Alex Kalorn are on your third or fourth line wow 
I mean, most teams are lucky to put together a second line that's that can score consistently. The Lightning have four lines that do it pretty regularly. It's impressive. And it's the scoring is is obviously been there for them all year, and that's how they managed to get by with Louis Domingue. But what's going to happen now is you've got Veslevsky uh, back, and he's going to get better and better. And there's mm-hmm. going to be some nights where no one's going to score on him, or they're going to score one goal yep. uh, or two. And, and you know, you, you combine you know, him being the best player on the team with what they're doing offensively. And you're right. Now, I, you know, the only question is, can they play any style? You know, uh, and I think they've proven that. I think they've, they've proven they can play any way they want to play. A lot of people talk about Washington last season. You know, Lightning just weren't physical enough, and that's why Washington beat them, and, and Lightning yeah. need to improve that. Washington executed better those last two games. They did. I mean – you know, let's not forget the Lightning were up three games to two in that series. And maybe Washington had played better more of the series than, than the Lightning had at that point. But they were up three games to two. Washington executed near flawlessly those last two games. The Lightning didn't. And they lost. I mean, that's, you yeah. know, really what happens is, when, especially when there's different styles, it's generally, you know, if the talent level is comparable or close, it's who executes better. Sure. Who doesn't who make makes, the who mistakes? Who makes the most who, of their chances, right. too. Exactly. I mean, I went to game seven, and they had – two really great scoring chances. They just didn't bury the puck. Yeah. Generally, when the Lightning get challenged physically, they step up and surprise everybody. And every year in the playoffs, you know, when, when, when this whole run kind of started four seasons ago, you know, it faced Detroit in the first round, and, oh, they're not physical enough for Detroit. And they, they out-physical Detroit. And, and they, they, they don't – that's not the way they, they play naturally because they have so much skill, but their players can be physical. And, and right. you know, you've got to catch them, too. If you're going to be a big, slow team like that, good luck catching the Lightning if, if they're executing, which, you know, right. this season the Lightning have nonstop. And the other thing that I, I really like right now, and I don't know how long this will go on, but now Anton Strawman's come back. Yeah. And so Eric Chernak, you know, it's do you send him down? Well, Matthew Joseph's on IR. So it allowed you to keep Chernak on the roster. And now they're resting defensemen. You right. Know, Dan Girardi had Saturday night off. Braden Coburn had a night off during the road trip. Um, right. You know, now you can, and, and, you know, Coburn and Girardi are both over 30 years old. You can, you can, you know, with Chernak on this roster now and whether he'll stay up once Matthew Joseph comes on IR, cause somebody has got to go back down. The roster's full. So either Chernak or Joseph, the only two that can go down without clearing waivers. So one of uh, barring an injury and somebody, you know, opens a roster spot that, but with Chernak up here now, you can sit there and, and kind of rest some guys and, and cause look, the lightning are going to make the playoffs. They can play less than 500 hockey the rest of the way, and they'll make the playoffs. Oh, yeah, you think? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's their their number right now is it's, you know, there's a a thing in hockey that if you get 96 points, you'll make the playoffs. And I think all but one team has in the current structure and the way that the game is played. So Lightning are at 58 points right now, which means you need, what, is that 38 more points? And you've got 45. yeah, 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 38 points, and you've got 45 games left to play. No, they're look. They're they're going to make the playoffs and then some. The question is whether they'll have the number one seat. Mm-hmm. You talked about defense, and you know the guy that that hasn't even really played his best hockey yet is Victor Hedman. No, he has so not. They, they can get a lot more out of Victor Hedman. Yeah, Ryan McDonough has been the best defenseman. He has been, but yeah. wait till those guys start get going. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, there's there's a lot of meat on the bone for for this entire team, and yet they're kind of cruising uh, along here. And you know, West Coast road trip is not easy for a lot of reasons. Uh, not to mention they played some really good teams. Um, but they, they just bolted through it and, and, you know, come home now and um, enjoy Christmas and, and then pick it up afterwards. So 
Uh, I'm impressed with them. It's, they've been fun to watch. And let's face it, with the Buck season ending, it couldn't end soon enough. <laughs> at least, at least the focus will go to where it belongs, <laughs> uh, which is on the good winning yep. team in Tampa Bay, uh, which is the Lightning. So well, the Lightning, Lightning will have two games. They got Thursday and Saturday. They get uh, Philly and Montreal at home, and then they go right. to the West Coast again. So then they'll go to Anaheim, uh, L.A., and San Jose. And I don't. The order may be wrong. I know Anaheim's the first game on New Year's Eve, but. Right. So they'll get their their second West Coast trip out of the way. Uh, at, right after you know, kind of back to back road trips going to the West Coast, Western Canada, and then the you know the, the yeah. California trip. So right. they'll get that out of the way now. The road trips after that become a lot easier. I don't think there's any more than a three game road trip the rest of the season, and they're all you know a lot shorter distances and stuff. So that helps the team too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, things are shaping. You know, I, to be honest, you know, you thought the Lightning were the 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 favorite to win the Stanley Cup going into the season nothing's changed and maybe they've out they've even exceeded my expectations to this point to be honest the way they're playing the way they're winning yeah um, the way the penalty kill has been for the most part they had you know they had a lapse for you know a week or two in there that was bad but beyond that the penalty kill has been really good there's i mean you know there's really i mean what is there to complain about on this team well, nothing. And, and to be honest with you, I mean, I think this is going to come down to just because of the season they're having that, uh, you know, it is going to be Stanley Cup or bust. I mean, that they're that good. And anything short of that will be disappointing, to say the least. And there may, there may be some who knows, there may be some some repercussions if they don't get there. But barring some injuries that, that always occur and, and certainly, you know, with your goaltender, um, you know, you got you to gotta hope and, and assume if you're the Lightning that you're going to have Vasilevsky, but barring any of that, they're going to enter the playoffs as the team to beat. And, and if they play this way, probably with the top seat, you know, uh, which means everybody's going to come to them. So, uh, it's, it's exciting when you're at the top of the heap. And I, I think that's where most people perceive the lightning to be and they've earned it. They've earned that distinction. Oh, they absolutely have. And, and, you know, the other thing people forget about this too, is that they're taking everyone's best shot each night. Yeah, they are. I mean, it's we're playing the Lightning. This yep. is this is this is our measuring stick game. It is every team they play. This is this is how do we measure up against the best team in the league, the deepest team it, in the league? It doesn't phase them. It doesn't phase them when they get behind. It doesn't phase them to be on the road. Nothing phases this team. No, well, and they have look. They have the last four years: Eastern Conference Finals, three of the last four years; Stanley Cup Finals, once in that span. Yep. They, they've seen it all. They've done it all. They're veterans for the most part. I mean, you've got young guys like Matthew Joseph and Eric Chernak, but there's so many veterans in that room. And this core's been together for so long. They That's know right. each other. They trust each other. They, you know, it doesn't mean they mix and match lines left and right, and it doesn't matter because they've all played with each other at some point. Sure. You're not breaking in a new teammates all the time. You know, outside, you know, like I said, Matthew Joseph or Eric Chernak, and, you know, you get a young guy here or there. But for the most part, these guys, it, it, no matter what you throw at them, they handle it. Yeah, and the young guys can really play, and they just keep coming up, and 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 that's also just you know probably disheartening for teams too that you look on the fourth lines and you see who's out there, and you, you know it, you just can't match up with them. So, congratulations to the Lightning on a fine start. Christmas, like I said, is always a kind of a line of demarcation somewhat, but uh, uh, the second half of this season, sort of if it's anything like the first half, if you will, um, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be an exciting year for for Tampa Bay Lightning fans. So. I know there's a lot of Bucks fans that go to hockey games as well. You just got to endure one more game with uh, with the Bucks, and we'll we'll see what happens after that as far as their coaching and everything goes. Um, but uh, speaking of football, 
a couple weeks ago, it's been more than a couple, it's probably been a month or so ago when the Bucks were playing San Francisco and uh, actually beat the 49ers in that game. Uh, 49ers have gone on to do some nice things after that, but uh, we had a chance to talk to their general manager, John Lynch, who is a fan favorite and should be in the ring of honor for the Bucks and in the ring of honor for the Denver Broncos, a Hall of Fame finalist for about four or five years. Um, he's a great player and, and really uh, sort of a unique way that he came to become a general manager in this league. And I know there's a lot of talk about general managers right now and, you know, who would, who would make a good general manager. And, uh, you know, John Lynch was one of the top broadcasters and number two team at Fox and, and really wasn't uh, really focused on this, but found an opportunity to, uh, to pair up with Mike, with uh, Kyle Shanahan. Uh, and managed to do that in San Francisco. And uh, we had a chance to talk to him. This was a really, really good conversation about a lot of things in football, but about John and how he got started and how this all came to be. So we're going to use this opportunity here at Christmas uh, to uh, replay our interview uh, with uh, San Francisco 49ers general manager, John Lynch. I just want to start with, I don't know if you caught the Rams-Chiefs game at all. I know you're busy, but what is it? What does a former Pro Bowl safety think of, of watching a game that ends up fifty four fifty one? Well, you know, I you wake up today and driving in, people are asking, "Is this the greatest regular season game in the history of the NFL?" And, and uh, I think someone like me thinks absolutely not. You know, those are some of those Buck games that were nine seven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, you know, the the game is changing. There's no doubt about it. I think. Um, Every time I get frustrated about defensive play, I, I look, they, they've got, uh, and this isn't an out, but there's more to deal with. I, I think a couple of things come to mind for me. I, you watched those two teams last night. Um, you know, with some of this, you know, the fly sweep, some of the trickle-up things that have come from the high school and college game, you know, right. it, it's always been – uh, offensive have always been mindful about stretching you vertically. I think now just as much as getting stretched vertically, now you're being stretched horizontally, sideline to sideline with the fly sweeps. You know, we do it with the zone, the zone and the boot off the zone. Um, but you throw some of these fly sweeps and the motions that are off of that, you're, you're stretched both vertically and horizontally. Players are in space more than ever. Um, because of time restrictions and all that, guys aren't as good at tacklers because they haven't been fundamentally taught as well. And then all, you know, any intimidation, uh, you know, um, that came with being able to put on film that, hey, if anyone entered your zone, they were going to do so at their own risk. Um, that's essentially um, been eliminated from the game. I remember when I first was a safety at Stanford, you know, my senior year, Ronnie Lott coming and talking with me because Bill Walsh was our coach and saying, hey, you know, there's it, it's just part of your job that you put on film that people can't come in your zone and not pay a price. And when you do that, half your half the battles won before the game ever starts. Well, that's essentially any fear. Intimidation has been eliminated from the game because of these rules. And so you put all that together um and uh, it's very tough on defenses. Not that it can't be done. You know, how do you how do you counteract that? I think pass rush is still the great equalizer. You know, when you can, you know, you see Khalil Mack's 
uh, impact on the bears when you have a force that can't be stopped. That's a great equalizer. Um, there's still things. You can still play good defense, but there are more factors that contribute to all this offense, along with all the other rules that are stacked against the defenses. <laughs> Well, they really are because, I mean, <clears throat> I think of the greatest show on turf that you played in the NFC Championship game against the Rams and just exactly what you said, uh, you guys hit them um, early and often and it, and it did sort of dissuade. And, in fact, you guys were leading that game, what, 6-5 to five, um, until about four minutes to go. So, I mean, you, you probably couldn't have that same impact on, a, on an offense like that now. I, th- I think that's true. I, you know, I do – I do caution people, though, and I think things go in cycles. Right now, there's some new concepts, some of this, as I said, the trickle-up stuff. I think in sure. another year or two, defenses will have a better feel uh, as to how, to how to counteract that. I remember one of the things that um, Gruden, you know, re- where he really challenged us to be better, and it worked. I mean, we did kind of what we did, but then we played the Rams, and, and remember at the time um, – you know, they were doing some shifting, motioning, but they would do it at warp speed. And so really what they were doing, they were dictating the defenses. Like we would have to check out of whatever we were in and play old, good old faithful cover two. And Gruden came in and said, no, we got to be able to play our call. And so we're dictating to them. And so he challenged us. But more importantly, he ran an offense that did similar things, shift motions where we practiced against it a whole off season, we got better because we could play what we were called. And so instead of them dictating to us, we started dictating to them a little. So I do think, you know, some of that will be there, but I do think the deck is that, or the, the, the deck is stacked against defenses just with all the rules. And I think of this, you know, the inability to be able to really be physical on people. Um, you know, for instance, I remember broadcasting a game talking with Aaron Rodgers because the, the old rule was, you know, receivers first man to man continued to run. If they're running like a shallow cross, they ran. You wouldn't stop because the guy's following you in the zone. They would sit and, you know, quarterbacks would sure. throw it low and away. And I, re- I remember watching Green Bay film probably five years ago and saying, Aaron, you you know, I'm noticing your guys versus zone aren't stopping anymore. And he goes, you know, John, with all these rules, we figure why do it? They're protected. Mm. Why not catch it on the run? And we're putting a premium on yards after catch. So, so why would you stop? You can't be hit anymore. And so offensive guys are thinking like that. I think receivers are thinking the same way. And so there are some things that are real that are, that are tough to deal with, but it wasn't long ago, yeah. a couple of years ago, Seattle and that, you know, the Legion of boom defense, we're holding people to 16 points per game. And that's hard to remember when you had two teams over 50 <laughs> um, yesterday, but it that was just, three four years ago so we'll see yeah yeah I had a player OJ Howard tell me and he's only in his second year Alabama that when he runs those those crossing routes he has no fear that he's gonna get hit so yeah you know you got a guy that's six five two hundred and fifty two pounds that can run um that's 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 a weapon do you have to draft a little different because of these wild card abilities so whether you know the the, the Tyreek Hills or I mean the guys that can can split wide. They're, they normally would be third down running backs, but you're seeing them, you know, go outside the hash marks now and, and create matchup problems. I think you do. Um, I think you do. There's probably more. Um, you know, like I said early on, pass rush is the great equalizer. You're looking what the Rams are doing, and they're sure. not suffocating people. But in fourth in the fourth quarter last night was a perfect oh, yeah. example. You know, as many yards as got put up on them, they, I think they. 
they turned, they made Mahomes turn it over four or five times. And, you know, I think sure. the pass rush, the cumulative effect of being around him, it wears on people. And so while they gave up a ton of yards, they're able to make plays when needed. And, and so mm-hmm. um, I think things like that, that, you know, that was as important when I played, but I do think you have to be, and, and I think certain type of players a Tyree kill, you know, there's a premium there always has been, but on speed and athleticism, and sure. so consequently on defense, you better be able to match that. You you better find players that can play in space and and do some of those things. John, I know you told this story before. Maybe you can give us the abridged version. But for people in Tampa Bay that were maybe unaware that you even had these aspirations, you you know you called Falcons games uh, when Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator for Fox as one of their you know the top broadcast team there, um, but. I, I, it's kind of unique how how this kind of evolved. I mean, you knew Kyle obviously, and and he was either interviewed or or going to get the San Francisco job. When did you when did you really start thinking about being a general manager? You know, I used to think about it when I played. Um, I uh, yeah, I, one thing that struck me is when I was playing like draft day. It used to drive Linda crazy. Like, are you kidding me? You're going to stay <laughs> home for three days and watch a draft? Like we do this all year. <laughs> and you got an opportunity to be with your kids. And, and, you know, I always took that seriously. And I, I'd say, hey, well, let's all watch it together. <laughs> and she'd be like, are, are you kidding me? Um, and so, you know, and I would try to, you know, like the old mock stuff. But, um, you know, I, I would sit there and try to predict the the fourth round, you know. And and, and sure. she eventually just grew to just, like, deal with it. That was, you know, it was like a... <laughs> Some some people it's the NCAA tournament time. The time she just had to grin and bear it was draft day because I'd always liked doing that. And then, you know, when I was living in Denver, um, you know, became close with Elway, and he was he was uh, obviously came from a background similar and and took over the Broncos, and he and I were were good buddies then. And and so right from the very beginning, he'd always just every year he said, "Hey, help me out. Give me another set of eyes. Take a look at this." you know, and then he'd send me a, a, you know, could could you study the safeties this year? Could you study the DBs? And then that morphed into, hey, why don't you come in and do a whole offseason with us? And so I think that kind of then gave me um, a look of kind of what the job entailed, what what it looked like, because when you play, you really don't know. Um, You kind of go about your job and you see those guys around the building, but you don't know what they're doing all day. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think I learned there what it was. And I think that challenge intrigued me. I was having a great. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Time broadcasting, I was, um, you know, working myself up the up the ladder, um, you know, to where I think some really, you know, top level opportunities were going to come my way. Um Thursday night, you know, that I think that we had a good shot of doing that, you know, the Monday night, you know, that could have been an option. But um, like I tell people, I was loving what I was doing, but kind of 
you know, I think like a lot of people, I take inventory often and the, um, the bug just wasn't completely gone. And as much as I loved what I was doing in broadcasting, I think every year at the end, I would say, ah, it's awesome. But, and there, there was a little, you know, that football bug, the competing, wanting to be a part of a team, um, that, that was missing a little. And this thing just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, it, it started with, you know, me doing a lot of Atlanta Falcons games, uh, growing to have a great appreciation for what Kyle, how he went about his job. I thought he was just incredibly imaginative. Um, everything fit his run game married with his pet you know, with his, with his play action game and everything made sense. And I, I would learn football when I would talk to him and, you know, I came to know that he would, you know, he'd bounce ideas off me and kind of the same thing. And, and so, um, you know, it came to know that, Hey, he was a, a, a favorite to land this job. And, you know, one day I called to congratulate him on, on, they won in the playoffs against, uh, they hosted Seattle in the, in the, um, the wild card, not the wild card, the championship round and, um, um, divisional round, excuse me. And I called after the game to, to congratulate him and, um, then said, Hey, it, it looks like things are going well with the San Fran. And yet, you know, he was focused on what he was doing with Atlanta, but saying, yeah, you know, that is, and that's an exciting opportunity. I'm just struggling to find someone. I want to find a GM I can work with that I'm, I'm like-minded with. And, I kind of threw out a like, Hey, what, you know, what about me? And, uh, you know, he, it was one of those things where we hung up and he called back like, you know, the next day and said, Hey, would you really ever consider that? Like you're, you're doing great at your job. Why would you ever want to do that? And, uh, <laughs> and next thing, you know, I'm saying, Hey, for the, for the right guy. And I think you could be that Kyle, you know, I, I think, you know, we'd have to sit down and talk more, but, uh, next thing, you know, I'm talking to the owner here and, um, you know, flying up and meeting, flying cross country to Atlanta, meeting with Kyle. And like by that, that was a Friday, by the next Tuesday, I was the GM of the, of the Niners. So, um, it was a whirlwind to say the least and I, I'm enjoying it. Um, the, the, the challenge of the job is, uh, is real. Um, and, uh, hasn't come as quickly as we would have liked, but, uh, I think we're making great progress and excited about where this organization's going. Was there one? Was there anything that that surprised you the most about this job? That 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 I know you you know you were around football and pro football long enough to kind of understand yeah. what your responsibility was. There, was it is it you know your time uh, you know constraints or just what was it that? Because uh, I've had GMs tell me that they're surprised how much comes across their desk that's not football related. Yeah, just the totality of it. I mean, right. Um, before I just talked to you, I went in for like a six month budget review, you know, and so that's everything that, uh, you know, and they break it down, but you're responsible for things like that. Um, in a way I tell people, you know, do I have to quit, cut sweet deals, you know, with people? No, that's not my job. We have a business department. Um, but when you're a football organization, everything touches football. And so, yeah. you know, what is my job? It's to help create the vision, you know, that, uh, for this place. Um, and so that means everything touches football in some form or fashion. And, um, so yes, everything comes by your desk. Um, and, um, and so I think the, the totality of the job, um, and all that goes into it. And that's why it's so time consuming. And even when you're off, you're not off because you're always getting a call. And so, um, 
you know, that's, that's a challenge. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's so competitive. Um, and, you know, part of, um, probably one of my biggest challenges is come, you know, as much as, you know, you're part of something and you're building something like come game day, I can't do a dang thing. That's a helpless feeling for me. Cause I'm always used to <laughs> being able sure. to have a hand in the outcome and, uh, that's all done. It's, that's always ongoing, but you know, come once that whistle kicks off, there's not a darn thing I can do. So that's, that's been a tough challenge for me. How do you deal with yeah. that? Yeah, I bet. And, uh, but one of the things you did do was secure what looks to be a franchise quarterback. We'll talk about his injury in a minute, but how did the deal for Jimmy Garoppolo coming back? I mean, you got him for a second round pick, which I would think people would think was a great deal for the 49ers. You know how important quarterbacks are in this league. Um, you must've felt really good about that deal. Yeah. You know, um, it's been well documented. Um, I think it was really, we pursued him early our first year. We really didn't have a quarterback. We, we, you know, we, uh, and Kyle and I, from our very first meeting, we got to find that guy at, at, at the quarterback mm-hmm. position. We knew there were some high profile free agents, uh, coming up. We knew the one thing that why this was an attractive job, other than being the San Francisco 49ers, an iconic brand. Um, the place was kind of depleted, but they were going to have a bunch of cash and cap at their disposal um, because they, uh, you know, they, they that's just where the place was. And so we knew we would be able to do something. We said, hey, when you just study teams that are successful, you know, for years, the, the Patriots are still competing every year. The Colts, when I was playing, were competing every year because they had that guy. And you, I think what it does it gives you a chance each and every year. It doesn't ensure you of anything, but it gives you a chance. So we knew we we wanted that. So we looked at a bunch of different avenues from the draft to free agency to trades. And, um, you know, early on in that first year, I remember, you know, I was familiar with Jimmy from doing Patriot games. I did all the Patriot games uh, for Fox. Uh, you know, I think it's since been fixed, but Troy Aikman and Bill didn't really see eye to eye. Um, and so... <laughs> The number one team would usually go to New England, but Troy, you know, Troy didn't want to. So <laughs> uh, I would end up getting all the Pat, Pats games because I had a good relationship with Bill. And, and uh, so I went in there and, and, you know, when you're at practices, you see a guy throwing the ball like incredibly impressive. And so you ask questions, hey, tell me about this guy. And they tell you a little bit about him. And so we made a call the first year about Jimmy's availability. It was quickly rebuffed. Um, because they believed in him so much. Somewhere along the line, that changed, and an opportunity came to us, um, and we jumped at it. And, uh, you know, I think um, we, we felt like it was well worth a, a second-round pick to, ha- to possibly have that guy. We didn't know. You know, Kyle had studied him a lot and loved his talent, but you don't know everything else about the guy. So the one thing we did commit to was – like we think this is worth it in and of itself to bring him in here for the second half of a year and see what we have in him, but we're not committing that this is our guy moving forward. And really what we did, we gave him an audition for the rest of the year to see where it was going to go. And we had a lot of options. We could franchise him, you know, we could, we could, you know, move on from him. We could do a long-term deal, but Jimmy really, you know, I think the effect he had on our organization, he came in and he made everybody, better you know our defense started playing better our offense obviously started playing better and uh gave us enough belief that we had our guy that we we kind of went in with the mindset at some point uh 
everybody was on board. Let's go, let's go try to lock him in long-term. We did. And, and, um, you know, unfortunately he, he got hurt this year. Um, and that's, that's affected us, uh, in a big way, but we still know that we have our franchise guy locked up and, um, we're, we're really excited about that. Yeah. You won your last five games last season. You were one and one and then he tears his ACL. So Anytime you lose a starting quarterback like that, um, it's got to be a gut punch. How, how did how did Kyle and yourself um, get the team to to uh, move move forward? Because even though maybe your record isn't what you want it to be, these guys are playing better uh, in areas each week, and and, uh, and and it doesn't seem to be slowing anyone down. Yeah, well, um, you know that was it was a. I think one of Kyle's great talents is he's he's real um, with these guys, and so I, I remember the meeting the next day. And um, guys, I'm not going to lie to you this is this is a punch in the gut. We lost our quarterback, um, and that's going to hurt. It should hurt, and it's uh, we're going to figure this thing out though. And we got a lot of belief in at the time it was C.J. Beathard. Uh, now Nick Mullins is playing, and um, I think the guys genuinely did. Now you also know that. Jimmy's a special talent at that position. So not everything was going to be the same. Um, you know, that something I've long lived by in this league is I think it's an old Bill Parcells quote. You are what your record says you are. So we're two and eight. That's not good enough. It's not good at all. Um, but I think what you were alluding to, we've been in almost every single game. I mean, we, we got to learn to finish. That's our big challenge sure. because I think five, five or six games this year have come down to the last possession we're just not quite there to where we can overcome uh, some of our challenges and, and find a way to put people away. And that's where we've got to get better. But our, our team is fighting and um, we just, we got to learn to finish. A um, couple guys I want to ask you about, you, you mentioned Nick Mullins. He was actually the quarterback at Southern Miss for the Bucks offensive coordinator uh, in Todd Munkin undrafted guy from what uh you know just you know is has really shown a lot of poise in this in this position right he has and um you know he got an opportunity cj was struggling a little bit uh we had a short week a thursday night and cj banged his hand and wrist and so um was cleared for the game but we didn't feel he was struggling to grip a ball nick got his opportunity and nick's one of these guys that you know, throughout the draft process, um, you know, really came onto our radar. Um, and you always, you know, target guys, Hey, at the end of the draft and in free agency, these are guys we really like. And our quarterback coach, you know, we scouted them and our scouts down there did a great job. He started four years, uh, broke a lot of, uh, of, uh, Favre's records down there at Southern Miss, um, did a lot of great things. Um, uh, and played with a grit and rhythm and toughness. And um, our quarterback coach, Rich Scrangarulo, really took a liking to him. And so we took kind of a, you know, people use the 30 visits where, you know, after the combine and all that, you can invite 30 players in and to learn more about them. Typically it's for high profile players that you have some questions about. Um, we, we took a step of bringing Nick Mullins in because we wanted to, we wanted to learn more about him. And, uh, I remember getting called down that he was here and ready to meet with Kyle and I, and Kyle and I were in his office and we came out to see Nick and he was in this, he had dressed up, he was in a suit 
And, uh, <laughs> you know, he looked like a 15 year old intern, <laughs> he was, you know, he had like, we were going, all right, where, where's Mullins? And we were giving Skangarulo a hard time, but then we went and visited with him and you just learn the kid's got some special attributes to him. He loves football. He's got a immense football IQ and everything that people had said about him at Southern Miss, um, you know, and, 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 you know, was he talented enough we did you know he we didn't know but he did some things we liked and all the intangibles were there and then he's a guy he just worked so hard so he came in here and we knew okay we got a good practice squad quarterback who we think we can develop and he got better every single day and his teammates respect him immensely because of the way he goes about his work and so much of this league um is being ready when you get your opportunity. And Nick Mullins mm-hmm. is a great example. He was ready when his opportunity came. I use it with my kids all the time. Hey, you know, Jake's a, a kid red shirt at Stanford, but Jake don't waste a day. That's what Nick Mullins was playing scout team safety this time last year because we didn't have enough guys. And uh, Kyle did something in a, in a team meeting where he showed the guys, Hey, I went back in the film to see what Nick was doing a year ago today. And this was mm-hmm. a week ago. And, there he was running scout team safety, but then he showed him after practice working for 40 minutes and showed the time stamp on the video of, uh, of Nick great. out there grinding at quarterback. And so it's a great example for a lot of guys that be ready when your opportunity comes. And, uh, you know, he's, he's doing a nice job for us. Another guy that was ready was Matt Breida, who's from here at Nature's Coast. Um, Matt's uh, made some plays for you this year. He's been great. Um, you know, he's probably one of our most improved players. Um, he, he's another guy that our, uh, our scouts and coaches uh, really highlighted. And uh, we wanted him in our building. We thought about drafting him late. Um, you know, some, sometimes when a player, a talented player slips, there's always a reason behind it. They had a coaching change at Georgia Southern, and they didn't feature him as much. He, You know, he went from like almost six yards of carry his junior year to like three, three point nine or something is his um his senior year and but we we watched that film and we felt like he was a great one cut runner which we you know which we covet in our scheme and he had some measurables you know in terms of his speed and power um that although he was a little smaller we felt like he could have success in this system and so we we pursued him hard and um we got him he did he did well as at the end of his rookie year and then that carried over and he he's a kid who constantly um improves he works um neat family adoptive parents there in tampa area um and uh you know that he's just a a tremendous kid we're really proud of the work he's doing and think he's going to be a part of us for a long time your biggest influence in 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 the game i mean you played for bill walsh and tony dungy that's a pretty good start Mm -hmm. right there did did you pick up any uh, just major tenants about the best way to build to build a team well, I think Tony, um, gosh, so much about just, you know, your actions. Uh, it's not so much about what you say, it's your actions. Yeah. Um, it's, it's about, you know, the, the, you know, the responsibility that you have in your community aside from playing football, all those things. I mean, so much from Tony, but also some old principles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the nice things about, and you know, when you're two and eight, everyone, everyone's catching heat. Our defensive coordinator, Robert Sala, came from that Seattle tree of, of, of defense. And the nice thing for me, and Kyle and I talked about this, is I can turn on Seattle's tape and 
you know, Monty and Monty and Tony and Pete Carroll, they, you know, Monty and, and Pete Carroll coached together for a long time. So a lot of the principles, it's one gap. Um, yep. So I can turn on the film, know where guys are supposed to be intuitively because I know that defense. And so um, that's something that uh, is nice. You know, Bill Walsh, there's so many things. And, and you know, here we are. He, he came up with the 49er way and what made this place a championship organization where everyone wanted to be. And so, yeah, there's, I mean, we, we kind of returned it. Um, and you know, a lot of the what's up on our walls are, are Bill Walsh quotes and it's Ronnie Lott and it's, it's, it's celebrating, um, you know, how this place became an iconic organization and that we've got to earn the right to have our pictures on the walls. And, and so, you know, there's, there's a lot of things, uh, Bill Walsh, you know, the one thing I learned, uh, at Stanford, he, it probably wasn't possible, but he strived for perfection each and every day. And those little details, um, when you strive for perfection, if you come a little short, you're still pretty darn good. And that, that has to be the standard. And so those things carry over. Um, but shoot everybody, you know, all your experiences shape who you are. And, you know, I yeah. think one of the things that helped Kyle and I is Kyle cut his teeth, you know, working on the defensive side of the ball in Tampa, you know, so a lot of the, um, a lot of the principles that he knows about defense and he is a head coach that I really respect because he's, he's tremendous offensively, but he's got a great idea. And a lot of that goes back to his early days coaching for the bucks. He, he spent a lot of time in the defensive room at Tampa. And so we have similar philosophies from that standpoint as well. Finally, a couple things. Uh, you're in the Ring of Honor in, in uh, for two teams, but uh, Tampa Bay, of course, most recently. And when you walk back, when you walk back into Raymond James Stadium on Sunday, what is that like for you? It's always special. Um, you know that team. We've talked a lot about it, Rick, and um, I, you know, you you feel like, you know, you always want to be. Um, where you don't have regrets. I, I think, um, you know, that team has some regrets because we feel like although we had one championship, we left some out there, but we'll always celebrate sure. that one. And I think the journey from where we started and I, you know, I was there in the, in the lean, lean years when I came in in 93 and then to turn it all the way around. Um, you know, we wish we would have won more. We wish we would have won one for coach Dungey. Um, but we're pretty proud of what we did, and there's a really special bond amongst those those uh, the players on that team and the guys I speak to all the time. Rondé will do this game, but Rondé's one of my great friends in life, as is Derek and um, you know Warren. Um, you know I brought Warren out here to work with our pass rushers last year, and that's you know you 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 create bonds uh, with people, but that team had a special bond and it had a special bond with our fans that. Uh, went beyond football and uh, so those those days will always be special Uh, I'll remember you know I remember the first game in Raymond James (laughs) leaving the old sombrero you remember so many things and I'm sure there'll be a flood of memories um, during the course of the game but I I just I I remember all the all the good things I also remember the struggles of, of what it took to get there and that in many ways shapes me and allows me to know that hey we're going through some rough times but if you do things the right way you you will turn this around as well. Will you still take your jog by runway 36 right in the patch of grass that used to be the old one buck place? <laughs> I'm sure I'll think about that as, as we come in. And, <laughs> um, 
you know, it's uh, it, it's different. It was different for me coming in as an opponent with uh, with the Denver Broncos. Uh, I played one preseason game with the uh, Patriots down there. Uh, yeah. th- that was always different, and uh, I'm sure this will be different as well. And but I've got nothing but fond memories for the people at Tampa. They were wonderful to me and my family, and and to the to the organization. I think the Glazer family. Um, and I know there's been some lean years there, and people want better, but. Uh, they were tremendous to me and my family, and so you, you don't forget those things. And uh, I think there'll be a lot of reflection this week as as we as as we come in there. You mentioned your son Jake; he's a redshirt freshman, uh, defensive end at Stanford. I have to ask you though: is he a, still a bigger Bucks fan, or now is he just completely a Forty ers fan? He still follows the Bucks every week, and and, and uh, <laughs> yeah, he really does. And so, um, you know, it's now he's a college student; he's he's doing homework and all those things. He's, um, <laughs> you know, so I don't think he watches as much, but he follows them. Yeah. You know, they're they're all over his phone. That's that's something I I think he grew up kind of those years I was talking about. That's that's what he. He grew up in many ways watching and and that sticks with you and i i appreciate uh as much as it was hard for me to take like him rooting for the bucks when i was on the broncos <laughs> um uh i appreciate his loyalty and i i think he appreciated that you know that's how we we raised him that the that, and that's always stuck with him so i uh i kind of gotten over hey you know you're supposed to root <laughs> you're supposed to root for our side um i i think uh you know he's a loyal kid and i always appreciate that about him Always good to hear from John Lynch. Listen, Merry Christmas, everybody. I hope you're having a great one with your family. We know we are, and we appreciate you guys listening to us each and every day on Sports Day Tampa Bay. Remember, for all your air conditioning needs, go call Howard and Sue Million at Millionaire. They're the ones that are locally owned in Tampa Bay. They're going to hook you up with the best train products, um, and you want to give them a call at 727-862-2100. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Merry Christmas, everyone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.